The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by MTM's managing editor, Mark Osterman. Joe Chung is somewhere in the middle of the Pacific looking at whales on his way up to Alaska. He finally got on his Disney cruise. So it's uh, good news that he isn't here this week, Mark. Uh, Instead, we have our good friend Han from Chicago, at Han Chicago on Twitter, joining us to talk about your epic trip, like to the Middle East and Asia. Oh my God, I was so jealous about it as everybody will soon learn i was exhausted by it <laughs> yeah you did go a lot of places and it's then you already <laughs> start it's already starting i knew it okay yeah yeah, yeah. and no. then you ended up in europe somehow no, at the it, end, so. it was like every day it was like i'm on this plane i'm on this plane i'm on this plane i'm on this plane i was like geez yeah, yeah it was it was a lot i admit it was a lot <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to hear how you put it all together, though, for sure. Well, before we get into the show, as a reminder for people out there listening, you can find everything related to this show at mtmpodcast.com. You can also subscribe in any podcast app. Just search Miles to Memories. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we really love five-star reviews. They help us out a lot, but you can find everything mtmpodcast.com. So, Han, we've known each other for a few years. We've met in person now a number of times. And I just remember from the earliest kind of getting to know you on Twitter, I think that's maybe the first place that I came in contact with you. You would take these like crazy trips and mm. where you would stay in really nice hotels and fly in really nice products and, you know, live that lifestyle of the rich and famous all for pennies on the dollar with miles and points. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about one such trip. But what was what's been the motivation over the years getting in the miles and points to do these types of like you tr- you cram a lot into a few days fly all yeah. these fancy stuff but you don't you know spend weeks on the road either yeah no i i've always wanted to just uh extract a lot of value from the game and you know i had been gambling for a very long time before i got into to the points and miles game and you know that's a, a negative ev game so <laughs> i kind of wanted to make up for for that and uh kind of go extreme on the other side uh and you know quite that's frankly, how that's how i used to justify losses too like well i didn't pay for flight or hotel so you know <laughs> yeah well you say that to your wife enough times that it you know it, it gets old so. exactly yeah, so I went. I went a different. I went to a different game. So, uh, yeah, and you know, I don't. I don't necessarily need to spend that much time in certain places. And I only have so, so much vacation time. So I just try to cram a lot of stuff in. And yeah, it can be exhausting. And I pay the the price dearly after this trip because I was a basket case for like ten days after I got back. Um, the jet lag was the worst ever. But still, I'll I'll take it. I used to do a lot of trips, kind of similar to that. Although not nearly as aggressive as you, you you do hop around more than I used to. But as the years have gone on, to your point, like the older you get, the jet lag just gets worse and worse. Mm. Recover a lot, you know, less fat. Like I used to be able to push myself as hard as I wanted to. The next day I would wake up and be fine. And then, yeah, now it's just the harder I push, the longer it takes to recover. And jet lag is just miserable too. So I, I feel you on that. 
Yeah, no, it it wasn't it wasn't fun, but uh, the trip was fun, uh, and I didn't sleep much on the trip either, just because the way I put it together. Um, but you know, it is what it is. That's that's what I like to do. <laughs> Self inflicting wounds, right there. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, to preview everything, it's it's a crazy itinerary. Um, like I said, you went through the Middle East, through Southeast Asia, ended up in Europe. You did the Maldives overwater bungalow. You flew in some first class cabins, showers yeah. in the sky. All kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. And I, I want to kind of go through the whole trip, and then we'll talk about redemptions, maybe some of your key takeaways, reviews, stuff like that. But here's a question I think a lot of people out there are going to be wondering, especially with you going to the Maldives and everything. How does your wife let you uh, get away with traveling uh, like this by yourself without you you know, bringing her along? I know this is a question I get a lot uh, when I leave and, and fly. Um, but uh, yeah, you take it to a whole nother level. No, that's a that's a legit question. I I mean, for the Maldives trip in particular, she she actually had uh, her passport had expired, so it wasn't ready to go without. So that was part of it, and then also she was very skeptical about paying all these fees for the for this little like um, uh, you know the the plane that takes you over from from the main airport to uh, the seaplane. You know, she was like, well, "Why are we paying four hundred twenty dollars for that? That seems ridiculous." And then the then she wasn't sure about the food. And then she just talked herself out of it. And, you know, we were originally going to go together, but then I said, well, I, this uh, Marriott thing's got to devalue. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. 35 K a plus 50 bucks. Got to use my certs. Got to use them. I got, (laughs) you know, I just like, let's let's do it right now while while I can, while I can do it cheap. And it was off peak, you know, so there there was some rain there while I was there. So it wasn't like ideal conditions, but you know, still it was, uh, like one of those things I kind of wanted to check off, see if see what the big deal was, because everyone's been like Maldives, Maldives. Either you really hate it or you really love it, and people kind of deride it. But like I wanted to see it for myself, see if it was you know something worth doing. So how how is it being in the most romantic place in the world by yourself? Do you think it's weirder by yourself or weirder with a guy friend? No, that's <laughs> <laughs> depends. No, I, I it was definitely weird because everyone would always say like. So is someone going to join you, sir? Or like if I <laughs> like if I was ordering food, they'd be like, is that for two? Or, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it, it Are you calling me fat? Yeah, yeah. What 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 yeah, though definitely they expect you to be there as a pair. And I don't think they are too judgmental about, you know, whether you're with a guy or a girl or whatever, but like they expect you to be paired up. And yeah, uh, yeah. like a romantic yeah. getaway. Yeah, yeah. So and and I only stayed for two nights in in the in one one of the resorts. I actually stayed th- three nights total, but in two different resorts. And uh, yeah, the the guy when I was leaving was like, "Oh, gone so soon." So like, yeah, it, like everything I did was kind of weird to them, and you know, you know, kind of okay. getting compute. <laughs> I'm gonna bu- I'm gonna bust your balls a bit here. <laughs> right. Are these the mental hoops we jump through where we fly? Uh, you know, twenty some hours. And then pay for a seaplane transfer just to justify booking a 35k a night hotel before it goes up to 50k or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. All right. So, <laughs> so I went to one. So that's a Love Meridian where I paid the 420, and then I stayed at the Sheraton Full Moon Bay or something. I forgot what the other one was. It's a Sheraton, but that one just was a boat ride. But that was a free boat ride, and that was just for one night. But yeah, there is some mental calculus. Like, oh, you know, like I get, it just breaks down to like a. Two ten a night, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. When you throw in the free boat, it's not too bad. It's not, yeah, it's not. It's, it's okay. It's okay. But I'm sure there's other beach places that are like just as good or whatever, you know, that are much closer. But 
I don't know, like people had that mystique about the Maldives and I, I really want to genuinely like look at it for myself instead of just filtering it, having filtered it through like YouTube or whatever, the hate mongering that goes on against the Maldives, you know, case in point yourself, Mark. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, I'm the captain of the hate mongering. Um, yeah. But no, uh, it does look uh, amazing. I always just found it interesting, like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I don't think anybody really knew what the Maldives was hmm. or, or where they were or anything like that. And then just through, like, social media and stuff, and it was always, like, a famous place or where famous people would go. And then, you know, I even see, like, non-Miles and Points people, like, talking about going there and stuff. And it's just crazy how much it's blown up for such a random in the middle of nowhere place really yeah no it, it is it is strange how popular it's become i will say though like that airport there is terrible like it's one of the worst <laughs> air- like you expect a luxurious airport and it's just like terrible but otherwise the experience was excellent i wish they would invest in some new airport but then again i'm based out of o'hare so i can't really well, talk much <laughs> spoiler spoiler yeah worst worst airport in america for sure but spoiler alert down the road in your trip you go to the best airport in the world right uh oh singapore yes i do yes 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 that that our airport's awesome let's go back to how you got over the water because i feel like mm. there's that first leg of your trip there's two really interesting things there first off i like the way you did it you started off by flying etihad economy from mm-hmm. was it from Chicago to nothing uh, says Maldives like <laughs> <laughs> economy over there. Yeah, I, I okay. So a little background on that. I yeah, I did fly Etihad economy forty k AA miles from Chicago to the Maldives with a stopover or layover in um, Abu Dhabi, and you know that's pretty good redemption even in economy. I think, and I had to do that. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, do- that's really cheap. That's like that's like New York to uh, Chicago these days. Yeah. So I had to do that because I changed my plans. Like when I started to see this award space for first class on Qatar on both their triple seven, which they're leasing from Cathay. And then what I really wanted to fly was the A380 Qatar first class from uh, Doha to Bangkok. When I saw that award space opening, I had to sh- switch some stuff. And I, I pushed my Singapore Airlines business class to next year. Like I pushed it way far into into next year, and then I had to book this whatever I could get, which was this uh, Etihad economy to um, to the Maldives, and so then I could position. So I'm I'm using the Maldives to position, <laughs> and and that's kind of warped, but uh, that's that's how that's kind of what I was interested in. So that's that's what I did, and then while I was in Abu Dhabi, I I bought a hundred fifty dollar uh, entrance into the first class lounge and spent a couple hours there, and that was that was nice. Was that the was that the lounge with the uh, forty thousand dollar bed or whatever? No, 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 no. That's, okay. that, I'm curious that's, about that. That's Swiss <laughs> on the way back. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. So how was? I mean, a lot of people in the hobby, I feel like they're always talking themselves into how they could never fly a really long haul economy. Mm. And I've mm-hmm. flown, you know, twelve, thirteen hours, quite a few times in economy, and it's not fun. Uh, but you mm. survive. You get to the other side, and I think part of travel is like the destination and, and the experience along the way. So I do love flying in premium cabins, but I feel like if you have to fly an economy or nothing, then that's the way to do it. You know, flying economy. Was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? Have you done a lot of similar long haul economy flying? Did you, did you cry in the bathroom like Bethany? <laughs> <laughs> she did that on the business class or what I think. I know oh, it was uh it was premium economy. Oh, premium or economy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not- my feet only go up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I um, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. The A three fifty, so A three fifty one thousand. That was the first route from from Chicago to Abu Dhabi, and that's a brand new plane. That's like not even a couple of months old, and that was rough though, because they the the pitch was minimal and every the guy in front of me reclined all the way back and he, he was in my face so that that was rough but then the 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 leg from um abu dhabi to Mali, maldives that that wasn't too bad that was on their eight, uh, 787 that that economy product was was much better for me anyway so yeah and yeah i have i have flown economy to to korea and and elsewhere and it's 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 okay i you know i think it's I think I learned this time it's, you know, you, you pony up a little bit more for the aisle seat in that situation. And I, and I, I can do that. That's, that's totally fine. Um, so you can avoid someone just not going by the unwritten rules of not reclining all the way back. So that's what it, you know, but I, I endured it. It was fine. It was totally fine. Endure is a good word for that type <laughs> of flight, right? You can, after it passes like five or six hours, then you really are just enduring it. I mean, it's nicer to have all the bells and whistles, but it sucks to hear that the, the seats aren't as comfortable. I feel like that trend of cutting back the padding and all that's happening on these long international uh, flights as well, and that sucks. Yeah, it, if they just gave me a little more uh, leg room, I would have been fine, you know, but it's, you know, they need to maximize their dollars, so they, they squished a lot of people in there. Was the first class lounge in uh, in Abu Dhabi, was that worth paying for? I think so. I, I've been there before because I flew the apartments uh, way back when, I don't know, pre-COVID times, and but this time it was even nicer because I just really needed a break after that, that, that long haul (laughs) and uh, just, you know, you just have a nice shower. There weren't that many people in there and had a nice meal and yeah, just got to relax, watch some TV or whatever. And then, uh, you know, just get myself psyched up to get in another economy flight, but it it, it was all good. Now it was mostly empty when you were in there, right? Like pretty, pretty sparse. Yeah. Cause you know, they, they don't have a lot of, uh, first first class product anymore, not as much as they used to because they dropped all their A380s, or at least for now. They might be bringing them back as, as rumors have been uh, percolating here. But uh, you know, when I was flying, they, they weren't around. So you just have them on a couple of 787s, as far as I know. So yeah, there weren't a ton of people in there. And I don't think a lot of people want to pay $150 like me to go in there. But I just was like, just let me in there. I, I, need, <laughs> I need an oasis. <laughs> All right, so you talked about the the second sort of leg that you repositioned for, and that's flying, I think, uh, up to uh, Doha and then eventually to Southeast Asia. And mm. I don't know; it's a little bit yep. of a it's a little bit of a haze to me because you went back to the Maldives at some point. Yeah, uh, but what was that award? How did you book that, and what exactly was the routing on it? Okay, so the exact routing was Malé to Doha, Doha to Bangkok, Bangkok to uh, Kuala Lumpur, and the way I did it was for the first. For the first leg alone, I did it with BA Avios. I should have done it with AA miles, but I just didn't have enough after I had to burn some for that first economy uh, long haul. And then the part from uh, Doha to Bangkok to to Kuala Lumpur, all that was on one award on AA, and that was 50K with, with some cash. Not too bad. You know, I think it's actually the opportunity to get on the A380 of a, on Qatar, it was just too huge to pass up because it's so hard to fly that usually because it's only usually going to London and, and Paris these days. But then I, there's, I guess they have this kind of leisure thing to Bangkok and uh, I jumped on it. And you also flew on a cutter operated Cathay Pacific plane, right? That's right. That was the part from Malé to Doha. And uh, again, I, I booked that with Bia Avios and it was 52 
okay, be obvious with some cash. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of searchers out of uh, Mali. It doesn't matter what currency you're using, but uh, that was like 200 plus for that. Was that in first class? Yeah, it was first class. So that's that their was... international first class on their 777, right? Yep, yep. And it's uh, just like Qatar or just like Cathay. But they have some nice Qatar flourishes inside, you know, some 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 of that. Um, I guess it's kind of maroon or something that they put in there, and uh, the food, obviously, all the soft product is Qatar's. But uh, I, I I don't know. It's it's I, I really liked it, and I was the only one in there. So when you're the only passenger, they 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 kind of dote on you. So that, that was fun. I hate that part. <laughs> Do they have soy sauce. That's the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to be left alone. Let me watch my Rambo movie. All right, let me be, be here in peace. No, 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 they 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 had all the the bells and whistles, caviar, etc. It, it was great, but it's only a four hour flight, and so it, when you do it with BA, obviously it's not it's not as bad. You know, usually BA obviously isn't a really good currency for for uh, long haul, but four hours it's it's not too bad. Um, and it wasn't that much different from what I would have gotten it at with AA. The only, you know, the thing that I, I messed up on was that I, I, I booked it in between two transfer bonuses, you know, from whether it was from Chase or Amex. So I, I goofed up, but I was just like, I need to book this now or I'm going to lose it. So, you know, it is what it is. All right. Before we leave the Middle East, let's just talk about the Maldives again. Yeah. Is there anything that you regret, whether it's, you know, paying for the seaplane, the different hotels that you already talked about, which hotels you chose? Um, was it worth it as a single person to go visit there? Was it, are you glad with all the Instagram craze and the craze in the miles and points? Are you glad that you did it? And would you recommend people out there do it, uh, themselves? I would regret. No, no, I don't regret anything. I definitely am glad I went. I, I, it, 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 you know, I, I scratched a niche and it's beautiful. It's really a stunning, beautiful place. Yes. The food is overpriced. And I, you know, I'm still not quite sure what Maldivian uh, cuisine is. It, it, you know, I had some very spicy fish that seemed like an, like an Indian dish, and they were saying, you know, they they made it very mild for me, but it almost burned my mouth. Um, but you know, <laughs> so I don't know how great that was. But no, but I, I don't regret it because it was so gorgeous, and the overwater bungalow experience is really unique and fun. And I think you should try at least once. Now, am I going to go back again anytime soon? Probably not. So it's not like something that bears repeating, at least not for me. I mean, I might go back again if my uh, P2 wants to go uh, after I told her about it. But like, you know, I don't, you know, I'm in no rush to go back. So it's kind of this mixed review. A lot of places have overwater bungalows now. Do you, What about that experience? Do you think that that's something people should seek out? Was it unique enough, whether it's in the Maldives or somewhere else, that you think people should go for an overwater bungalow? Yeah, I, I think you should try it at least once. I really do. I think it's just really fun to just sit on the deck and and see the water there and it's it's so peaceful and i don't know you just see a certain kind of blues that you haven't seen before at least at least not me anyway you know you guys are more well sean you're definitely more better travel than i am or more widely traveled than i am so but i mean i i really uh i really enjoyed it i, I and you know just there's a lot of little wildlife like crabs and lizards and whatever and that's all that's all cool too but i mean and you can do snorkel if you're into that, and you know. And I did. I I almost felt like if I hadn't gotten out of the water when I did, I, I might have died because there was like a huge uh, thunderstorm after that. <laughs> but but uh, you know, it, it was it was fun, I, and I think uh, you should try it now. Like again, don't do it because of just the hype, but do it because you're you know you really want to check it out and you'll see for yourself because you know it, it might actually be something that you want to do on a regular basis. But like 
I had to find out for myself. I didn't want to just go by the videos. I didn't want to just go by the hearsay. From the overwater bungalows of the Maldives to the malls of Southeast Asia. So again, <laughs> that was the next thing that like took me back. Because not enough people talk about the mall culture in Southeast Asia and how cool it is. And I know you got to, to Malaysia, I think, which has, I mean, Malaysia has so many good malls. I know it's crazy, Mark. And all the malls have really good food, too. So, you know, that's something to do. But I was I appreciated that. I mean, you've obviously been to Southeast Asia quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. What, what are your takeaways? Like, for me, like, the first time I was ever there, we just always felt, like, drawn into the malls. You can find everything there. You know, air conditioning, too, which is nice. Uh, you can eat a meal. Just people watching. If you're traveling long term, sometimes you want to go see the cinema, see how it's different, things like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I know this is completely random as we transition to Southeast Asia, but uh, let's talk mall culture for a second. Yeah, you know, mall, mall culture is in, in, intense, and and they take it to another level in Asia, Southeast Asia, especially you know, like whether it's Kuala Lumpur, uh, Singapore, uh, Bangkok, what you know, what have you. They put all our malls to shame. I mean, I don't even think we have much of a mall culture in the United States anymore. Any, in any case, you know, people just buy everything online, but. Mall culture over there is is very special because yeah because of the AC I think people just like to go there and socialize and and have a nice place to not sweat to death. There's nothing better than walking into like one of those nice malls in Bangkok <laughs> on a particularly steamy day or Kuala. As your shirts are already drenched, yeah, but it feels so good, Mark. <laughs> that air conditioner they blasted. It feels so good. I gotta I gotta stay in this mall until my boob sweat goes dries up and then I'll go back outside. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it that's exactly it so yeah they're and just just like some of these malls are like eight nine stories high with these intricate escalator designs and you can they're just they're just destinations onto themselves and then you know a city could have like Kuala Lumpur or Bangkok could have dozens and dozens of them it's not like you know there's only one mall like to your point here in the U.S. it seems like these days there are some like destination malls like American Dream tried to open up outside New York City like that but there's not very many of them you just have like these dying off malls and then these super high end ones. And a lot of our malls are outdoors too. So it com feels completely different. And as a side note, I feel like going to malls, not whether it's just in Southeast Asia or anywhere else, it's a good way to like see the culture because every place does it differently. And, you know, it's always a, an interesting place to go. I know it's, it's so nerdy, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm big on malls. <laughs> See, there's always Mark's done this show with me for years, and he always learns something, uh, something new about how nerdy I can get. It's like how Sean Sean goes walks around WalMarts when he travels too. I no, I, I don't go to WalMarts anymore. Okay, I enough reselling, and that took that took all the love of WalMart uh, uh, out of uh, the equation for me. So, but yeah, I used to, and I used to like. Well, I didn't walk around them, but I would go like Source or whatever. Even in like Hawaii, I would go look at the clearance section to see what they what they had. But now I. And then I would like look at the different layouts, and yeah, it's crazy. I remember the uh, write up when you were in in China, and they were selling fish and and all kinds of interesting stuff. Yeah, that was fun. But yes, you're right. I did randomly go to the Walmart in uh, China, <laughs> but that's a little bit of a different story. Who doesn't want to see what Walmart looks like in in China? I've also seen Sam's Club in China. So. Me, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're different people. All right. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, besides the malls, though, I mean, you really should check. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you did this, Sean, where, you know, you went to the, the hawker stalls and, and out, kind oh, yeah. of out street street food culture. That's that's really what I, I like about so, uh, Southeast Asia. And, and it's it's so cheap. You know, like I, I say at the Mandarin Oriental over there on a Amex FHR deal, 150 bucks, you know, with a $100 credit and, what, and free breakfast or whatever. I mean, it's basically break even. 
on, on that on that kind of thing. So the opportunities to stay in very luxurious places is probably Asia is probably the Southeast Asia in particular is probably the best bet. And especially with Asian service culture, which is just at another level, I don't think any 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 area really tops it puts everything here to shame as far as I'm concerned about like with, with people like serving you and, and addressing you properly. It's great. It's just a fantastic experience and you don't even need it that much to, to enjoy it. How were, I remember on uh, Twitter, you were posting that you were nervous about the monkeys. So how, how did that end up? I don't know if I ever saw you uh, say how that went. Yeah, no, I, I was nervous about the monkeys when I went to um, Kuala Lumpur. I was going to, well, what, what is Batu that? Batu yeah, the Batu Caves, the Hindu shrine over there. Yeah, there there were a lot of monkeys there, but I did not want them to touch me, so I was very careful. <laughs> to they're they're crazy, the like because people bring stuff to yeah. them. Like people brought uh, when I was there. This is back in 07, but people brought like this big jug of juice, like almost like a half a gallon of juice, and the monkeys sat there, flipped it up in the air, and just chugged it out of the thing. And oh people would gosh. hold up like apples, and they would just come and grab them. Like that's what they do so yeah you definitely don't bring food if you don't want contact with those monkeys i'm just envisioning like the uh a night at the museum where that one monkey jumps around steals the keys and stuff that's what I, like they're just pick they're training yeah, that's what it looks like <laughs> i mean it's intense there's a lot of monkeys there there were a lot of ch- wild chickens or i don't know what I, what maybe they're raising them but uh, there's chickens there there are pigeons there you know one guy uh, i know joked around with me it's like this is a you know ground zero for a- a- every kind of virus uh <laughs> cross species contamination i was just like i suppose so i wasn't trying to think of it that way <laughs> but so yeah i mean it, it it might not be everyone's cup of tea but i, I enjoyed it you know i, I climbed those steps up to the back batu caves and and it, it was it was stunning, you know. It was really a gorgeous thing. But I I went really early in the morning because I wanted to beat the heat and beat the crowds. And uh, you can just ride it like a, a a local train out there from the center of the city, Kuala Lumpur, to to Batu Caves, and it's just it's kind of wild. So yeah, that was that was another kind of bucket list thing. And then the other one, obviously, being Patronus Towers. I've always wanted to go up those, and I that's my thing, Sean. You know, you have the malls, you have uh, the amusement parks, but I always go up tall buildings wherever I'm going because it's just uh, after I uh, missed out on uh, the World Trade Center. You know, I lived in New York and I never went up them, and then they were gone. You just you just never know when something might not be around, and so I always go up high high buildings wherever I go. It's funny because I'm often in places with tall buildings, and I've been on many of the tallest ones, but I have friends who, you know, have it like the bucket list to go on the 10 tallest buildings in the world. And I've just never been that drawn to do it. Like I always look at like, oh, it's 40 bucks to go up there. That's a ripoff. But then, you know, (laughs) I spend crazy money going on roller coasters and stuff. But I have been on a lot of the tallest buildings in the world just because I've been those places and, um, you know, like in in Shanghai and and elsewhere. And I do I do Mm. enjoy it, but just not enough to go on like every single one. You know, you got to you got to pick and choose your battles. But I totally get it because they're these buildings are unique. Every observation experience is unique. So it's not like, you know, the old days you take an elevator up. A lot of times there's presentations that go with this. There's other things. So as they're building these bigger and bigger buildings, they're making the experience of visiting them, you know, more like a destination or like an attraction. Yeah, for sure. Patronus Towers, they, they do a great job leading people in, in and out of there. And it's it's very well curated. I don't know what the right word is, but, you know. They, is it still free to get in there? Like No, no, be? not free. You got you to pay. But it wasn't too bad from uh, what I can remember off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, it, w- it was really well done. And But but you had to – I had to book a day in advance. And luckily I had two days there or I would have missed out because uh, I guess the, the, the slots fill up real quick. 
My favorite memory of Kuala Lumpur, maybe not my favorite, but uh, we were standing out in front of the corner of the Petronas Towers, trying to get, you know, those famous pictures with the tower behind you, standing in that spot that's kind of on the corner. And this guy is standing right next to us holding this $5,000, it looked like a really expensive uh, SLR camera. And all of a sudden, we see this guy like running from about 500 feet away. He gets up to full speed, hits, grabs the guy's camera at full speed and just keeps going. And by the time the guy even realized <laughs> the camera was gone, like the guy was already out of sight. And uh, yeah, you're like, welcome, uh, welcome to Malaysia. It's the only crime I've witnessed there. But uh, let's, let's talk about your hotels. So you did find hotels and resorts in both, like you said, the Mandarin Oriental, right, in Kuala Lumpur, and then the Conrad in Singapore? That's right, the Conrad. I just because I kind of like those teddy bears and ducks, but uh, yeah, you got a whole you got a whole creepy closet full. (laughs) (laughs) What's with some of the properties not having them? Like in New York City, I had to beg the Conrad for a bear, and they didn't have any ducks. In Vegas, Vegas, they don't have anything. They don't have so nothing in Vegas. What's going on with that? Unless you have a suite. Yeah, Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's. I mean, Conrad, you got to have a suite in Vegas to get to get a duck. Uh, And I don't know about the bear, but no, but. the one in Singapore uh, was great. It, I mean, it's it's kind of boring design. It's definitely kind of more for a business crowd. And they used to, um, I think, I don't know, was it you that said this to me, Sean, that they, they used to cater a lot to uh, the Chinese audience, but they've lost that, obviously, because of the pandemic. Uh, so it was kind of empty when I was there. So, uh, but And in S- Singapore generally seems sleepier than before, but I, you know, I don't think the tourism has ramped up quite yet. Um, although it's one of the easier places to get to as far as uh, whatever this phase of the pandemic is. And yeah, I mean, I think people should should visit Singapore, but I, I don't personally find Singapore to be a destination in and of itself, especially if you've been there. Uh, I think it's kind of a nice layover city and then go somewhere else. But I, you know, I enjoyed both my stays and the FHR stuff is great because you could stay till four and then, you know, then head to the airport, you know, without having to stress out about where to keep your stuff. I think Singapore is like this great family destination these days. But mm. the problem if you're from the U.S. is, right, I mean, to bring your family all the way there is such an endeavor. And, uh, yeah, and then you're not going to just want to go to Singapore. But I think, like, with all the gardens they built, the zoo, Universal Studios, Sentosa, just everything they built since the first time I was there in 2007 when they were just starting to get that stuff, just a few things. Uh, it's really been incredible to see the transition. But uh, it's still, I think, a lot of, like, family stuff and uh, things along those lines. Of course, they do have... Marina Bay Sands and Resorts World yeah. Sentosa, which do have casinos, so uh, you can do that as well. But even those properties have a lot for families. Like there's just a lot of you know family stuff all around town. Um, but yeah, let's dive into the hawker centers because you you mentioned them earlier. I talked about how like cool the air conditioning is in a mall in Southeast Asia. I think almost as refreshing is like raw sugarcane juice at a hawker center in Singapore. You don't even need the air conditioning. You just you just drink that, and it like instantly refreshing. They grind up the sugar cane. Oh my god, so good! But what's your favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite hawker center in Singapore? Have you been there enough to have a favorite location? And then, what's your favorite hawker center food when you visit there? I I don't have one I can identify. Um, there there is this one place uh, that I went to, and I've gone to there a couple times now. This. I don't even know if it's part of a major hawker center, but it's it's it has like a one Michelin star, and they do these these amazing noodles. I will try to get you the the details after this, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like the food can be so incredible for so cheap, and I kind of wonder how sustainable that is 
for hawker centers. I mean, I think they should probably charge a lot more than they do. It's kind of crazy. And then I, I've been hearing a lot about like how the older generation is going to retire or whatever, and there's no one to take over. So I, I do sometimes wonder about hawker center culture disappearing and you know you should do everything you can to support that because it's uh it's really amazing and there's nothing really like that here in the states except i guess maybe at resorts world but no don't even talk really... don't even start <laughs> <laughs> triggered mark you triggered mark. But, i mean for people out there who don't know what a hawker center is think of it like a food court on steroids like they can have upwards of 50 100 different stalls and each stall usually specializes in one dish but maybe a couple dishes around the same theme um, and yeah, like to your point, like the prices are always very cheap. Uh, they're all around Singapore. There's a ton of them in Kuala Lumpur and throughout Malaysia as well. And the food is just incredible. I've never, I don't know that I've ever had anything bad at any of them, whether it's like clay pot rice or the famous Singapore, you know, chicken rice or, um, you know, in Malaysia, they have some just amazing dishes. So I, I always recommend that. I mean, I think the thing that most Westerners go for is like the satay which I can never say right, mm. so I probably said it wrong, but um, or satay or whatever it is. But that's good. But like to me, that's just like the, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, that's yeah. There's just amazing stuff there. Yeah, I, I like the nasi nasi lemak myself. You know, which is kind of a breakfast thing that they do with the rice and the kind of anchovies and and other things that kind of mix in. It's really good. Um, just to tell you, the the thing I was thinking about was Hill Street Taiwa pork noodles. I'm not probably pronouncing that right either, but that place is amazing and has some of the best food I've had anywhere in the world for at any price point. So, you know, Singapore, just you, you got to go at least once. And like like you said, Sean, there's like a ton of stuff to do if you're just there for the first time. A lot of just things to walk around and, and enjoy. And even just Changi, you know, just go to the Jewel and watch that waterfall coming out of the ceiling that's that's amazing so i mean mark probably thinks that's dumb but <laughs> I, I don't know like oh, like why would you want to spend time in an airport but i know a lot of I, people I, go there that aren't even flying and just hang out which whatever i guess <laughs> yeah well, there's a high-end mall in there too and the locals are allowed yeah. to go you know they they're allowed with their id to go with shops so it has they sort of that made it sense. a destination too and yeah it's an incredible airport i haven't been there since the new i was there just like a month before, I think, in 2019, before the new Jewel opened and all that. So mm. I haven't seen that. Um, I love that airport, though, and I'm looking forward to going back there. I can't remember. Is that uh, the airport that somebody was booking for like a year and a half? They'd book flights and cancel just so they could go hang out or something and take advantage of food and lounge access? I think so, because I think they went to jail or something. And it was because the Singapore <laughs> government doesn't. Ma- That's the one thing you learn about is you don't mess with the Singapore government, Singaporean government, no. whatever they say. You know, it's it's not necessarily a free society there. Um, people ha- tend to have a good quality of life, it seems like. But, you know, it is totalitarian, I guess, for lack of a better word, in, in a yep. lot of ways. So, yeah, the, the rules are to be followed. And if you don't, there's heavy fines and, I don't know, caning. They still have caning there, I think, for certain things, which is crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I wish the U.S. would invest in the infrastructure like like they do in asia as far as airport stuff goes and and if you know if, imagine if people would actually want to spend time in an airport uh, how that might change the whole experience but like obviously that's not where we're at right now and i don't know when we'll ever be but it's a different thing in asia that's, i mean that's why i keep love keep going to asia because it's just it's so different than here and then also being asian myself i i feel like i have I don't have to explain myself as much there, or I don't have to explain myself in the same way that I sometimes have to do here. So it's uh, like that. Your name's not Joe. Liberating. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 
yeah, that I haven't met the Asian quota for your show. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so. well, uh, yeah. On on that note, uh, let's <laughs> let's uh, let's move along. No, uh, yeah, I, I think I think Singapore really. I always say that Singapore reminds me of Disneyland, and people like give me a weird look, mm. and it's because like all the landscaping is perfectly manicured and. There's these incredible over-the-top attractions everywhere. And, yeah, like you said, the first time you go there, there's a lot more to sort of uncover than on repeat visits. But it's certainly one of my favorite places. If it was just 10 to 15 degrees cooler, I'd probably go there a whole lot more often because that's the one thing I always forget. And then I land and then I get all, you know, get outside the airport and it's just so steamy (laughs) and you're like, oh, my God. But, yeah, it's an incredible city and one I recommend wholeheartedly having been there quite a few times. And I recommend bringing your kids there if you are a family. It's a perfect family travel destination if you can get over the fact that it's halfway around the world. Yeah, no, I think when you get there, you could spend a lot of time there. And it's just a great jumping off point for a bunch of other places nearby. So it's like if you use that as your home base in Asia or whatever, I, I think you couldn't you know, do better than that, really. And then with Singapore Airlines being such a stellar air, air, airline, you know, that's another excuse to to travel through there yeah i can't speak more highly enough about that place and they say it's like a really good introduction to asia if you're sort of like intimidated mm-hmm. by it absolutely is it's the first yeah. place in asia i ever visited we were traveling you know backpacking around australia and then we that was the first place in southeast asia that we went to and everything's in english it's really hard to find people who don't speak english there as their second language because it's sort of a, a language that binds you know the chinese with the you know there's there's people of indian descent there's a Malaysian mm-hmm. descent. There's people basically from everywhere there, even even you know leftover British and stuff like that. So it sort of com- you know binds everybody together, and it's a very easy place to travel. But also, there's a lot of exotic, different things about it. So it's a great sort of introduction into Asia. You know, it's definitely not the only place I would visit in Southeast Asia, but yeah, it's a it's a good place. No, I I agree with you, and and, and just one more thing about um, the Maldives when you when you're talking about how accessible it is. Maldives is very accessible to the United States in, in terms of, I mean, they even use our currency. They don't even, I don't know what a, what the Maldivian local currency is, but they everything's just dollars. So you don't even have to change money there, and and quite frankly, I mean, you, you don't even have to be vaccinated to go to the Maldives. In Singapore, you, you you would run into more roadblocks there. So I do I do want to say like being vaccinated has helped me to travel. So like. I think it's really hard to not tra- to travel these days without being vaccinated, like like what I was doing. But Maldives is one of the exceptions. Like you could you could fly in and out of there without you know being vaccinated if that's that's your choice. So you know I just I want to say like this kind of trip. I, I it was hard before the pandemic, but it's 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 much harder now. <laughs> Sometimes you have to fill, you know get these download these apps and fill out all these forms. And I, I would say that was probably the most stressful part of this trip. And and I and I do think people should. Think about that if they're going to try to do something like this. I think that's like the biggest deterrent to hopping around a lot. You know, if you go to Europe or or whatever, it's easy because you can hop between places without a problem. Yeah. But when you're going yep. to different countries in you know Asia or elsewhere, South America, stuff like that, like you're going to run into issues where each country is going to treat it differently, and you have to research all that. And I, I know a lot of people just don't want to mess with it or worried about what happens if I didn't do this in time or you know all that stuff so kudos for you for doing it it's definitely something i'm too lazy probably to to (laughs) to make that many hops (laughs) just because of that like the barrier of entry is high yeah i agree i mean it's it's so much different than it was before so much of the world you could have just showed up without having to do anything and yeah it's a good reminder yeah so then you know 
I don't know if you want to talk about the the route back and Absolutely. the way back from there, but yeah. So I so I I, I was able to get um, Swiss uh, business class for ninety nine k United miles from Singapore via Zurich to Chicago. So that was the way to end the trip. You know, so for the first part, I, I got in the throne seat and 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 you know what they call the throne seat in, in business class, and that that was pretty nice. Except I was surrounded by a bunch of uh, uh, very rowdy children. So that was, that wasn't ideal. And they, they, they didn't make the experience that pleasant. Um, and then when I landed in Zurich, I decided to try to upgrade to first class and you can't really book first class Swiss except by upgrading or unless you find it like a cheap fare somehow. I paid a lot of money for that, but it was worth it. Cause that, that bed, <laughs> Sean, uh, Mark, that bed is amazing. So that, that's that, what, what like, 40 K bed. That's an amazing bed. <laughs> so they just have like a bed in there. How many beds do they have that you can use in their, uh, their lounge there? There's two, I think there's two in, in the first class lounge, two bedrooms. And I, I was like the first one in there to use, use it that day. Cause I, I flew in so early from Singapore did you reserve it ahead of time or do you have to reserve once you get there? No, no, no. Cause I wasn't sure how they would even let me upgrade. So once they accepted my upgrade, I just like ran up there and hope for the best. And they said, yeah, it's open. You know, you can take it. And I, I, I stayed in there like three hours. And at first I thought, oh, this is just a regular bed. But then you, you go in and it's like, like heaven. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to explain. <laughs> it's like an incredible bed. It's called a hot Hastings bed or I'm not, I'm not pronouncing yeah, that there's right. The, there's, they actually have a store. Cause I looked it up after seeing that and they have a store a couple miles from my house, but the starting price point was like 25 K or something like that for the beds. Yeah. Which is just yeah. crazy in my, in my book. Yeah. I think Bethany said she's looking at it. So <laughs> no, I mean, it does look like an amazing bed looking it up. You should uh, apologize to Steve once she uh, makes that purchase. <laughs> But she's going to be so much better rested than all of us. So that's going to be uh, exactly be worth it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, as you know, people in miles and points and, you know, we're always looking for a deal and stuff. When you come across a product that's a premium product at a premium price, but then you can like notice the difference, you know, it, it always mm-hmm. like makes you think a little bit. But then you remember, then you look at the price tag again. You're like, you know, I can get probably 90% of that bed for, you know, 10% of the price or something. But it, it looks amazing. That's probably true. No, it's probably true. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'll do that, you know, splurge again for that, you know, and again, it's, it was north of 1k. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I, I might write about it, so I'm not going to go into the details at this point, but it, it was a lot, but you know, you can use other things to offset that as you know, like capital one or whatever. It was still worth it. You know, it was still worth it for the one time. And and since you can't really easily book it with miles, it was, that's another thing, you know, like, so was that, was the bed more of the selling the, than the actual flight? No, no, the flight is amazing too. Like it's, it's the, you know, like people go crazy over the Lufthansa at first, but I don't really like that product because it's so open and there's no privacy there. But Swiss is much more private. You know, you get your own. They got a door and everything, and I, I, I really like that. So I, I think it's it's it was worth it, and the food was great, both in the lounge and in the air, and the service was good too. And uh, I think it, I was on an A340, and I don't think I've ever been on one. That's kind of a unusual four engine plane that i i've never been in so as an av geek that was another plus for the experience so uh yeah my memories of the a340 i've only flown i think on a cathay pacific one and it has those four engines but that plane struggled to get off the ground like it it seems so (laughs) underpowered and so they're cranking the engines to full and like it's just the plane just seemed way too heavy and you know and going up but 
and yeah, and on Cathay, the business class product that I flew was not very good. It was very like because it's a very narrow product. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad it's it's always cool to get to fly those products, especially as they're going away. You know, because that's really yeah. a plane from another time. But exactly. It's, but it's neat. So, but the product on board, top notch, right? Yeah, no, absolutely top notch. Uh, these these little suites that you get, I, you, you know, I probably as good as I'm, I'm maybe not quite as good as the ANA new first, but um, really really solid and, and and much preferred for me over over Lufthansa first. Although people love that first class terminal in in uh, you know in Germany, so I you know whatever you, you have to make your choices. Although I guess I I guess you could fly some way you know so you could have both if you wanted, but that's some weird routing stuff. Weird routing, you never do that. <laughs> yeah. So you've you've been on a lot of the the sort of more sought after products, right? I mean, I know that you're. I know yeah. Lucky from One Mile at a Time is somebody who you look up to a lot. He's done a lot of the products, yep. and I mean, do you have like a quick list off the top of your head, like maybe top three or five first class products that you've flown? Yeah, top three, just off the top of my head, probably Emirates uh, first on the A380. Although I've also been on the triple seven game changer, but I like my experience in the A3 better because of the shower. That is a really special thing. Probably ANA first, the, the the new one. Although I like the old one too. Just the service is so great. I still haven't tried gel, but I'm hope, hopefully remedying that next year. Another one, I don't know. I'll just say Swiss for now. You know, you could ask me tomorrow. It'll probably be a different list, but those jump at the top of my head. Like I, I, I got into the game because I really wanted to try those products, really. And I've been going down Lucky's list, and I'm hoping still to try to complete that list sometime. But, you know, that's just an arbitrary thing for me. You know, everyone has their own reasons for getting into the game. And it's just been fun. And for- fortunately for me, my P2 permits me to do this. So, you know, it's an amazing part of this hobby and stuff. Uh, it just popped up on my Facebook memories. Nine years ago was my very first Cathay Pacific first class flight, which was my very first ever international first class mm-hmm. flight. And I booked that with one day notice and uh, just the excitement of that trip and getting to experience first class. And I will say, like, I don't do it all that often anymore, although, you know, I had probably flown first class at least once a year all the way through 2019, um, including, you know, a few times in 2019. But like it never got old for me as much travel as I did. A lot of things in travel have become mundane or they became mundane. Even flying business class to me is not something that I look forward to nearly in the way that I used to. But for some reason, international first class is always something that gets me excited. It's special. It's about the experience. It's about eating caviar and, you know, drinking nice champagne. It's about the lounges. It's about the seats and just that whole experience. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, I, I'm totally agree with I mean, I know people get like people try to sell it on YouTube with all this like fancy, like people wear little suits or whatever and and have put on accents and whatever, have, have that whole thing with the with the champagne glass toasting yeah that's camera. crazy like I, I i i i get i get tired of that that whole shtick it doesn't have to be like that but it's a really nice experience it's really fun you can make it fun as as you want and sometimes a crew you know they they don't they're not all stuffy people like they'll they'll cater to how you are most of the time so you know it's it, it I, what, I, what i'm trying to say i'm trying to demystify because it it's it's not it's not this like hoity-toity thing necessarily it can be that if that's what you want but like it could just be pretty down down to earth and fun, and it is special, Sean. Yeah, I mean, we're really lucky to be able to do this, and I I don't I don't pretend that I'm not privileged to be able to do this with points of miles. So uh, I really appreciate it, and I know Mark doesn't give a you know 
whatever <laughs> <laughs> about it. I just want to get from point A to B and be able to sleep. So I don't really, yeah. All the whatever you're gonna be flying, you're gonna be flying to Hawaii on life flight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the, totally the same class as uh, as international first class for sure. <laughs> Whatever you're, you're flying overseas on a life flat. That's awesome. No, it'll be it'll be nice. I just like it. Uh, like I like, but I'm fine with business class. Um, I just want something that I can comfortably relax and and you know hit the ground running. That's my my main goal. And I know people always argue what's better to to do it uh, on the way over or the way back. And I always say way over so that you know you're doing the overnight flight and you wake up and you're ready to go versus being all drowsy and and that type of thing. I'd rather take the daytime flight back in economy or whatever and and not have to mess with it but yeah i mean the service and all that stuff it's lost on me i'm not a foodie i don't care about any of that stuff so (laughs) (laughs) just bring me some food let me watch some tv and let me sleep and put some air conditioners in the first class products it sucks yes i will say yes air air nozzles should be universal but that's that's one thing that's missing in asia absolutely absolutely and you know once in a while you'll get lucky and they'll keep the plane at a normal temperature but usually the plane is at yeah. a high temperature so now you're hot there's no like, air do you need a blanket you at all. no do you feel this right now <laughs> I'm, i don't need a blanket <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah you want to wear the yeah it's just it's not good uh, yeah i agree with you like the way on youtube and on social media how the first class sort of lifestyles being sold i don't it's not going to change your life right and i think mark makes a great point and i think the way you flew out there makes a great point it's about the journey, it's about the destination, it's about the travel itself. And, you know, I, I think it's great to fly international first class. I also don't think that it makes me any better than anybody else. Um, it doesn't, no, you know, no. change my life. Put some in coke in that way. Johnny Walker blue for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I've done it. I've done it. Absolutely guilty diet coke, but yeah, absolutely guilty of it. Um, you know, it's just about the fun of it, right? It's about, oh my God, I found something I yep. love. And I get to experience this mm-hmm. thing that not a lot of get people get to experience. And that's a blessing instead of, oh, I'm fancy because I drank, you know, $400 a bottle of champagne or something. I didn't feel any fancier which, after drinking Which doesn't Dom. even taste good. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> that's enough demystifying for now, okay? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> so last question, Han, as we close out, any, you know, big takeaways from this trip? Obviously, you talked about the COVID stuff, how it's more difficult. Uh, I've traveled a lot this year, run into that myself, and that can definitely be a buzzkill. It can be something that deters you. Um, but you know, other than that, what what other takeaways do you have from this sort of? I'm going to call it an epic trip because it, it was an epic trip, and I enjoyed following along on on Twitter every step of the way. I appreciate that. I appreciate, especially from you, you know, who's way more traveled, well traveled than I am. But I, I would just say, you know, you you, you got to take certain opportunities when they come. So like when those, that award space popped up for Qatar in first class and it, and it wasn't necessarily from the United States, but like I wanted to position and get it, get it done. Cause I was, you know, it's like it, you, you, you got to jump on that stuff. Cause quite frankly, some of those products aren't going to be around in a couple of years. You know, that's just not, doesn't make economic sense for Qatar to keep running the A380. Maybe only Emirates will be doing that longer term, to be honest. So, so jump on that kind of stuff when you can. And then, more practically, just take some chances and, and check out Asia. You know, like there's some really, it's great to be in Asia right now because it's not as crowded. Uh, and if you are willing to take that risk, uh, you should go over there. Like last January, I went to Bangkok and th- that was when they were still doing the one night quarantine thing. Uh, but I got to go to uh, some some of the 
major sites there. And I was like one of the few, like, I don't know, 10, 20 people there. And, and that's never going to be like that again. So I, I would say, you know, take these, this opportunity of when it's transitioning from high COVID to whatever this is, low COVID, I don't, I don't know what to call it, but, um, and, and take a chance and go overseas and, and, and explore. Uh, and if you could do it in Asia, I think it's great. And you're going to enjoy service culture there. That's unlike here. And, and, and yeah, maybe you'll be a little bit uncomfortable, but I think you'll grow from it. So I, 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 you know, that's, that's, that's my takeaway. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm planning to do it next year. Like I told you, I, I, I pushed back my Singapore flight for next year. So I already got a, a tentative trip planned. So I'm excited. I, I'll hopefully the crowds stay away till early next year. I'll be there sometime February, March, uh, into, into Southeast Asia and also the Middle East. So I'm looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, I've, you know, been to that area, the, of the world so many times. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because it's just, I've, I've been blessed enough to go to that area of the world many times. Let's put it that mm. way. It's, you know, it's yeah. the food, the culture. Sometimes, you know, it's overwhelming. Um, I obviously miss going to, to like China and that's another big part of it for mm. me. Um, but Southeast Asia mm. is, is amazing. And I'm glad that, you know, you talk about whatever era of the pandemic we're in, but it seems like at least we're in an era where maybe you know, by the end of this year, like the hope that almost everything will be back open, um, you know, that there is at least going to be plans in place for for most destinations and that we can start to really plan robust trips going forward. Or, you know, to your point, you pulled it all off even now and that that's possible in a way yeah. that it wasn't last year. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the one I'm really hoping for is Japan. So they're, they're still kind of on the still closed so uh for the most part yeah, i'm banking on the fact that they're going to change <laughs> but that's also on the list for next year nice. big big time um so I'm, I'm you know at least they've opened up the tour groups i feel like that's a good they made that big first step into that direction and yep. letting a lot of foreigners in or at least some foreigners in so uh, hopefully you know japan will open up and you know it's good for their economies and yeah obviously it'd be interesting to talk to somebody who's an expert and just sort of the devastating effects on the, on the tourism industry all around the world and in different areas yeah. because yeah, it, yeah it's hurt imagine. them all so badly. I mean, Macau lost its crown as the gambling capital of the world because, because of COVID, you know? So I think Vegas has the crown back or, or somewhat definitely not Macau anymore, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I eagerly wait for Macau to open up too. Cause I, I mean, even though I'm not gambling as much uh, anymore, I still love hanging out in those casinos and well, I mean, you like it too, right, Sean? I think, you know, even though you're from yeah, Vegas, everybody so. looks at me, they're like, you don't gamble. And like, no, I'm like, well, I love Macau. Yeah. I love Macau. <laughs> you know, for me, the casinos are the least of the things I love about Macau, the casinos themselves. Cause the casinos there are very like serious and I don't know, I do like yes, them, and sure, but the properties true. that they've built there are just incredible. And you know, the first time I visited there was in 2008, right after the Venetian opened on the Kotai Strip. Oh, amazing. And so there's like 10 massive mega resorts there now. So in the time from my first visit, I've watched basically an entire kind of Las Vegas Strip grow from nothing. And yeah, and I, I can't wait to go back there. Plus the hotels there are really cool in that when you have high, you know, high ranking hotel status, they tend to treat you like a high roller. So like staying at the Conrad Macau I always got treated very, very well, or even the Grand Hyatt. They almost treat you like you're a high roller in the casino, which is not something you get in Vegas just for having hotel status <laughs> generally. So, uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, and you talk about the service culture that's alive there as well. So, yeah, hopefully Macau opens yeah, back yeah. up and Hong Kong and even mainland China, yes. which I, you know, I know there a lot of people have mixed feelings about that. Um, and I do, too. But I would love to get back there, um, you know, to experience the change because it's been a place I've been going to for 15 years now. And. 
I guess I guess the moral of the story, Han, is that people should go to Asia. You know, whether it's East Asia or Southeast I, I, Asia or even uh, Western Asia. I think, I think so. uh, Yeah. I think a lot of people in the United States are are prone to go to Europe, and that's great. And you know, I, I need to do more exploring in Europe myself. But after you get to Asia, it's pretty cheap, you know, in a lot of places. So it's just getting over that hurdle. And then if you're willing to be a little bit uncomfortable and and maybe be the minority for a change, then you know, go for it. I think I think I think you'd you'd learn a lot and and enjoy it and have fun. So anyway, I you know. It's I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, Sean. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's always <laughs> so. fun to talk about this stuff, and um, yeah, I really appreciate you joining us and going into in depth with this. And uh, of course, this is a longer episode on a week I have to edit, so that's always fun. Uh, and this, just a little, Sorry, just Sean. a little Joe reference uh, there. <laughs> Joe is like I said on his cruise. You can find him at as the Joe flies all over social media. Han, where can people find you uh, if they're interested in learning more about your travels? Uh, you can just find me on Twitter at, at Han Chicago. Perfect. And like I said, I follow him on Twitter on both the business account and also my personal account because I love all the stuff, especially if you're, you know, you like casinos too because you, you have a lot of Vegas stuff, you know, that you talk about, uh, but then you do these crazy trips with products and hotels. Highly recommend following you on Twitter. And I know Mark follows you as well. You can find Mark at Detroit Mark on Twitter. He had a drop off a little early because he's recording back to back to back to show shows uh, today. So I'm <laughs> sure he's thrilled with me. Um, and for everything that we do on this podcast, mtmpodcast.com, or for all of our videos, posts, podcasts, everything that we do, you can find it at milestomemories.com. And we are at Miles to Memories all over social media. So check us out there. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.